Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Maryland's Most Notorious Murders, where the most bizarre, the most high-profile, the most newsworthy homicide cases in Maryland are examined and profiled. This season, season three, relationship murders, or husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, those type of murders are discussed and profiled. On this episode, the murder of 32-year-old Tracy Lee Gardner Tetso is profiled, and the unsolved shooting murder of 29-year-old Kelly Young is examined. For some couples, they can be in a long-time relation. They can be in a long-term relationship for years. Everything is all peachy keen. They kumbayaing all over the place. Then they get married, and then boom, the honeymoon phase is over, and they realize that they actually like hate each other. I mean, they just been going through the motions. They've been wasting their time with each other, and they actually can't stand each other. And they thought that that little piece of paper called a marriage license or that title of my husband or my wife, that somehow was going to make their relationship better or heal an already damaged relationship. Then again, for some couples, when they get married or say I do to each other, the end result can be deadly or disastrous. Let's examine the short-lived marriage between Dennis Tetso and Tracy Lee Gardner. The couple dated for six or seven years before finally making their relationship official and got married in September of 2004. Together, they lived in their home in the 7800 block of Bluegrass Road in Rosedale. Dennis worked for Precision Concrete where he drove a dump truck with a trailer. He also knew how to operate backhoes, loaders, and fork trucks. Tracy worked as a dispatcher and in customer service for Aggregate Industries, which was a concrete, sand, gravel, and asphalt company. Almost immediately after they got married, the couple started having problems. Forget about the seven years they built up before this whole thing about the marriage license caused the couple to grow apart and for them to become enemies out of nowhere. And in December of the same year that they got married, just three months later, Tracy started another relationship with another co-worker. I mean, she was just like, you know, I'm out. She went to see a divorce lawyer. She made plans to like make uh, to make it basically to separate from my husband and to start the whole process just to end all of this. Moving on, she and her new boyfriend, they made plans to celebrate her 33rd birthday and an upcoming Motley Crue concert in Washington, D.C. at the MCI Center. But she never made it. And on March the 7th, 2005, Dennis reported her missing to the police. When the police came to his house and took a missing person's report for his wife, he told the police that the last time he saw his wife was the day before on March the 6th, 2005. 
He said he was outside his front door working on his truck around 2.30 p.m. when Tracy came home after getting something from a store. He said he did hear the TV turn on a few times, but he didn't actually lay eyes on her. Like, he didn't actually, like, physically see her. Around 6 or 7.30, he said he went back in the house, he took a shower, and by the time he got out the shower, he noticed that the front door was closed and it was locked. He told them that the TV was, now the TV was off, and that her prized 1996 black Pontiac Trans Am with dark tinted windows, it was just, it was gone. So he admitted he had no problem admitting to the police that him and his wife had been having an affair with one of her coworkers. He told him, like, yeah, he had been bugging her cell phone, like, trying to get information about the fair and everything, and that he even went to her job and confronted her new boyfriend, which that eventually led to him trying to get a protective order against him. The drama continued, and as Tracy, she made plans to move on with her life and end her little short-lived marriage, she just mysteriously just falls off the face of the earth and disappears. On March the 17th, 2005, 12 days after she disappeared, Tracy's car was found on Ritchie Highway in a days in parking lot near Bowling Alley. Because Tracy was on her way to um, Motley Crue concert, um, some kind of way the band got wind of her disappearing and they put up like a $10,000 reward themselves for any information that would lead to Tracy being found. And a segment about that was featuring her disappearance was featured on America's Most Wanted, where her story got even more national attention. Tracy's friends and family, they organized rituals, searches, search parties, and everything where they searched for her. They organized vigils in her honor, knowing that she wasn't just missing. Her co-workers, they even hired a private investigator to find out what happened, but like absolutely nothing turned up. Even though, after a while, the investigators considered Dennis a prime suspect in his wife's disappearance, they couldn't or wouldn't make any arrests because, you know, there was like no weapon, no real motive, no real motive. I mean, she was having an affair and all that, you know, but nothing they could really pinpoint on him. It was like no real evidence that a crime had been committed no real like DNA, nothing that could link him to her disappearance or murder at this point. Literally like nothing was done and Dennis moved on with his life. He got a new girlfriend and he just moved on and like no time. But Tracy's friends and her family, they couldn't and they would not give up on either finding Tracy dead or alive or linking Dennis to her murder. So at this point, four years after she disappeared, a cold case detective was able to view the surveillance tape in the area of where her car was found. Although the video was like extremely fuzzy and grainy and not really clear, you can make out a driver parking her car like on the parking lot, getting out, getting out of the car, and then like leaving it there. In the video, you can see like the car headlights flashing on where you can tell somebody was using like a remote to lock the car. Because the driver used the remote control like stick thing to lock the car 
and because Dennis was the only one who had the remote control lock when he gave it to them when he was questioned like years ago, the detectives figured like he had to be the one who drove the car there and abandoned it. Plus, an investigation showed that Tracy's car had been driven through the harbor tunnel on a day she went missing just a little before 8 p.m. I had no doubt that Tracy was dead and no doubt in my mind that Dennis Tetzel had done it. That's what the Baltimore, uh, states, Baltimore County State's Attorney commented to reporters with Baltimore Sun. And finally, in June of 2009, Dennis, now 44 years old, was arrested and charged with murdering his wife even though there was nobody, no real motive other than the fact that his wife was having an affair and planning to like leave him. There was like no weapon, no manner in how she died or if she was even dead at all. Like no DNA evidence, nothing. Tracy's friends testified that um, Tracy had made plans to go to like an upcoming baby shower and she was going to go to like an adult like toy party not to mention the upcoming concert to go see uh, Motley Crue which was a birthday present to her and she would never like just miss that Tracy's grandmother told the court of how much Tracy loved like her three dogs and she she thought of them as babies and she wouldn't just abandon them and she said she knew something was wrong when she hadn't heard from her because they talked on the phone every day, sometimes two, three times a day. So she just knew something was wrong. Dennis' lawyers, they emphasized at, at trial that Tracy was the one cheating on him. And it wasn't like he got a drop of life insurance money or nothing like that. So why would he try to kill her? So he maintained his innocence, innocence the entire time. And he even took the stand in his own defense to try to prove that, look, he, he ain't had nothing to do with this. He was the he was the defense's only witness, but his testimony, that didn't save him. And on Friday, October the 22nd, 2010, Dennis was found guilty of second degree murder for killing his wife even though her body was never found. With his conviction, it became the first time in Baltimore County's legal history where a conviction was obtained in a murder case without an actual body. On November 23, 2010, Dennis was sentenced to 30 years in prison with all but 18 years suspended and five years of supervised probation. In 2019, Dennis went up for parole. After serving nine years of his sentence, he still swore he was innocent and cried as he explained to the parole commissioner, I don't belong here. I want to get back to work. Please grant me parole. I have nothing to say. I didn't commit a crime. I have no idea where Tracy is and I will take it to my grave. He lives in a dream world. He wants to keep living in his life. He's controlling Tracy like he always has, and he wants to end it that way. That he won't tell us where she is. That's what Tracy's friend commanded to reporters. He has in every step and every way drug her reputation through the mud 
and never really cared about her whereabouts or what happened to her. For a man whose wife is missing, you would think he would be upset and willing to do whatever to find her, and he did absolutely nothing. Another friend commented to reporters for the Baltimore Sun. Now, because of Dennis's lack of remorse, and basically because he refused to admit that he murdered his wife, the parole and his release was denied. And he was returned back to his cell to serve out the rest of his sentence. Didn't really matter because in November of 2020, Dennis was released from prison after serving 11 years on his sentence. Released because of good behavior time credits, Dennis still maintains his innocence. He offered no apologies, no excuses, no explanations, nothing about where Tracy's Tracy's body can be found. Absolutely nothing. After he was granted parole, Tracy's friends gave a statement that read, as a group, we are okay with a person serving their time and getting out. What we take issue with is there is no sense of remorse. Now, this crime, or this murder, was notorious in Maryland, basically because it was Baltimore County's first nobody conviction. Um, it was also uh, notorious because her case got national attention on America's Most Wanted. Um, the Motley crew, they heard about that she was missing. They put up a $10,000 reward for her safe return. I remember when this happened. Um, but there are certain things that I got to say about this case, which puzzles me. And I'm just going to say it. Like, I'm not convinced 100% that he did it. Even though, yes, he did have mo she, he did have motive, you know, um, she was doing her thing. She did file for divorce. She was having an affair and everything like that. But there's no proof, I should say. I mean, I know every case is different. You know, evidence doesn't just fall out the sky or whatever per se. But, and he still maintains his innocence. That only sways me, I would say, a good 10%. You know, but it's just that the state didn't do, in my opinion, my opinion only, the state didn't do a great job in proving his guilt. It doesn't matter anyway because he's released and served his time. Um, and it is what it is on that. Um, I just don't see him ever admitting to something like this, especially now that he's out. You know what? What would be? What would he gain by keeping it a secret if he killed her where her body is, and especially if he could have been released earlier? You know, most inmates will do anything to get out of jail, but for or to get out of prison. But for someone that's innocent, he had a chance right there to get out. Basically, all he had to do was to say, you know, he was sorry and. He admitted, you know, fault and stuff like that, but he still wouldn't do it. So I don't know. I'm just part that kind of sways me a little bit. 
and also um it's just i feel so bad for her family and her friends you know no closure no closure and not knowing where her body is and to giving her a proper burial and a proper funeral you know it's just that part would be extremely devastating to me the not knowing where she is or even how she died it's just that part would be just torture for me and especially since he's out that part would be torture and especially since he's not admitting his guilt that would be that's like an extra an extra layer of torture that his family would have to, that her family and her friends has to go through you know oh i will say this though you know what you do in the dark will eventually come into the light so if he is guilty of this or let's if they say he is um i'm a firm believer that nothing is impossible and uh god is the final judge and jury and the truth will eventually be revealed and i believe that tracy will eventually be found for this season season three each unsolved homicide will profile a victim who was transgender while conducting my research on unsolved homicide victims in maryland i was completely shocked at the the number of victims who were transgender i mean first off i i was surprised at i know it seems like no investigation was done or anything like that no questioning of witnesses of family members nothing like that it just seems like they got killed and the murder was wrapped up and everybody was completely just ignored there's looked at as some sort of sex crime gone wrong i mean many of the victims of that their friends and family had to find out that they was killed like off of social media i mean that's that's tacky it's like they didn't even it just sometimes it just seemed like it's not enough is done and detectives and everybody just assumed that because the victim was transgender they was out tricking or living a double life or whatever or they was this they was that whatever the case may be so what does it say about you or the person that's looking buying it <laughs> i mean what if you like don't be mad at what you like that's be mad at yourself like who made you the judge and the jury on who gets to live and who gets to die i mean people kill me with that so with that being said for this season season three the spotlight on all of the unsolved homicides that are profiled the victims were transgender on this episode the unsolved shooting death of 29 year old kelly young is profiled on wednesday april 3rd 2013 someone shot 29 year old kelly young at her home in the 2200 block of barclay street in east baltimore found on the floor kelly was rushed to john hopkins hospital where she was pronounced dead shortly after she arrived kelly also known as rodney little 
grew up in Baltimore City near Pennsylvania Avenue in West Baltimore. They should always remember that there is that possibility that it could be a hate crime. We don't know that for sure. It was wonderful to see all the support that she had and to know that community loved her no matter who she was. That's what the executive director of the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, Transgender Community Center of Baltimore commented to the press. Kelly's cousin told reporters, everyone around here loved her. I loved her. Last time I talked to my cousin, last thing I said to her was, Kelly, I love you, be careful. Kelly was a well-known performer at a local club. She was actually like my godmother. She used to take me out. She was very entertaining. She used to dance, she used to vogue. She was very good at that. She got awards for it, another friend said in a comment to the Baltimore Sun. The person who did this, you will be found because everybody who's undercover, it's time to come out, okay? That's what another friend commented. The, pe the police have nothing, nada, zilch. And they need some help from the public because apparently homicide cases just don't solve themselves. So do the right thing, people. If you have any information at all that can lead to an arrest, questioning of suspects, of witnesses, anything that can lead to a conviction, an arrest, or anything in this unsolved homicide, please call Baltimore City Cold Case Detectives at 410-396-2100 or you can send a text to 443-902-4824. You can also email them at homicidetips, that's with an S, at baltimorepolice.org. Once again, those numbers are Baltimore City Cold Case Detectives at 410-396-2100 or you can send a text to 443-902-4824. You can also email him at homicidetips with an S at baltimorepolice.org. You can remain anonymous people a lot of people don't know that i mean even if you're thinking okay let's go to court blah 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 start somewhere you can remain anonymous somebody gotta know something about some of these unsolved homicides i mean come on now do the right thing clear your conscience you'd be surprised what a clear conscience will do to you thank you for tuning in this week Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast for updates on future spine-tingling, hair-raising, bizarre episodes. Also, please be sure to check out all of the true crime books that are related to this podcast, which are Marilyn's Most Notorious Murders, 1990-2008, Marilyn's Unsolved Homicides, Volume 1, and the upcoming Maryland's Most Notorious Murders, 2009 through 2020. 
all of these books, as well as my other True Life books, are all available on Amazon.com in paperback or as an ebook. Be sure to tune in next week where the season finale of Relationship Murderers will be profiled and another newsworthy high profile homicide will be examined, profiled, and discussed on Maryland's most notorious murders. This has been a real life production. Thank you.